Who stood out during the Penguins' 4-3 loss on Tuesday night to the Detroit Red Wings? Pat and I are going to discuss that right after this. Your Locked On Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am one of your hosts, Hunter Hodes. To my right, as always, is my co-host, Patrick Damp. You can follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. You can follow the show's Twitter at LO Armstrong Penguins. And you can follow Pat on Twitter at Synonym for Wet. Of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen slash watch of the day. So, quite a few things happened during that game against the Red Wings. Yes, the Penguins lost, but I really don't care if they lose preseason games, and neither should you, whether you are listening to the show or watching the show on YouTube. But my biggest standout, jumping into it now, I'm going to channel the inner Shaq meme from social media here with Redeem Zahorna. I owe you an apology. I wasn't familiar with your game. Well, I am now because he was awesome on Tuesday night. Scored the first goal at, off of a beautiful pass from Valtteri Pustin. That was an NHL caliber level pass right there. And then Zohorna was a forechecking menace in the Red Wing zone. Sets up that second goal to Pustin in, getting the puck away from a couple of Red Wings players, using that big body of his to get the pass to Pustin in. He was a forechecking menace that whole game, really responsible in his own zone. Showed off his finishing ability. He still may not make the team out of camp, but damn, he's making quite a big push. And at the very least, he should be the first player called up from Wilkes-Barre if he does not make the team. He was flawless on Tuesday night. Oh, yeah. Uh, We got to channel Plankton from the SpongeBob movie here and pull out Plan Z because, my God, did he look good last (laughs) night. It, It was... It was exactly what we've talked about on this show for the last week or so about this training camp with guys at the fringe of the roster and some of the younger players. While they're not going to get penciled in for a spot on the opening night roster, their biggest challenge is to make management and the coaching staff's decisions difficult. And last night, Zahorna did that. And it wasn't just the numbers. It wasn't just the top line numbers. He did a lot of things really well especially for a guy who's angling for a bottom six job on this team. He played with speed. He played aggressive. He went to the net. He wasn't afraid to shoot. He did all those little things that you want to see out of a bottom six player. And, you know, we said it yesterday and I said it yesterday. Yeah, you're not expecting to see a transcendent performance in a preseason game. And while this certainly wasn't a transcendent performance, it was a damn good one. Absolutely. And I even tweeted during the game that I want to see more of him because his five-on-five underlings in a very small sample are pretty good. Now, I don't know if those can hold up for a full season, but his points per 60 is was around 1.2, 1.3 when he was with the Penguins. That's solid, especially for a bottom six winger. And he's going to get an even bigger look on Thursday, Pat, when the big guns come out to play the Sabres. The lineup was just released before we started recording. We're going to dive into that a little later on in this episode. 
But the fact that he's getting a big look there shows how serious the coaching staff is considering him for a spot in the every night lineup. I was just so impressed by him last night. Yeah, he had a great game. Another player we've talked about on this show also stood out really well, and that's Sam Poulan. I thought he started really making a, a strong case to, if not make this roster, be right behind Zahorna as the next call-up because he, uh, we talk, this is what we've been talking about with these younger players especially, is you have to make the decision difficult. But not only do you have to do that, you have to be able to put together consistently good games because we've seen it forever and ever as long as this sports existed. A guy can have a good game and then disappear for three or four and then pop back up again. So the challenge for a lot of the younger players in this in this camp was to string together a couple good performances. And after the first split squad games and then last night in Detroit, Sam Poulan has put together two very solid performances. So he's making his case to either make this roster or be right in line to be called up as soon as it's needed. And the goal that he scored was beautiful too. The way that he was able to protect the puck, find a little bit of a soft spot between the Red Wings goalie and the net and just fire the puck in there. Beautiful stuff. I think he's playing some of the finest hockey that he's played. And we saw it last year at camp in the preseason. He got down right to the final day of cuts. And I expect that to be the case here as well as I, I don't know what the heck just happened there. I got Something came in my eye for some reason there, but hey, we're all good. We're just going to roll with it. Overall, though, really liked his performance, as well as Valtteri Pustins, another player who I think, I guess, is a mini dark horse to make the team a player who I don't expect to get on it. But he is also making the coaching staff think about this pretty hard. That pass that he had to Zahorna to get things going for the Penguins was a thing of beauty. And his vision is very good. I love it. He has a great shot as well. I thought he also played well in his own zone, things that Mike Sullivan really likes to see from some of those younger players. Again, I think he's going to start the season in Wilkes-Barre, but maybe he does get more of a sample this year when there are injuries. He only has one game of NHL experience. Maybe that changes here at some point this season, but I really liked what I saw from him. And overall, just speak, generally speaking here, Penguins have a lot of these players that may be down in Wilkes-Barre, but are potentially ready for full-time NHL gigs. And when someone goes down this year, especially if it's like a bottom six player, that player could be replaced for a little bit. And it'll be like, I guess, fine, because some of these Wilkes-Barre kids are ready to go in the way. Here's the question that I think Mike Sullivan has to ask himself. Does he want to put together a defensively accountable defense first bottom six? Or does he want to roll the dice a little bit? Because there is some young offensive talent in Wilkes-Barre that could make up this bottom six. And that could also fill in when there are injuries in the top six. So this is going to become kind of the narrative, kind of the decision coming out of the preseason is what direction do they want to go with the bottom six? Because you can see a world where Pustinen, Poulan, Zahorna make the team and play on a third or fourth line along with guys like Drew O'Connor and Matt Nieto and Lars Eller and Nolachari, and maybe you all of a sudden have a little bit more of an offensive push in your offensive lineup rather than 
kind of a steep drop off between the top six and the bottom six. Now you'd still have a drop off, but maybe there's a way to mitigate that that drop off if you decide to go with some of these younger guys with offensive upside. It would be a big risk just because a lot of these players don't have a lot of NHL experience. But I think it's also one where I would kind of like to see where it goes. Pustin has that offensive upside. Sam Poulin also has a little bit of that offensive upside. Redeem Zahorna definitely has that offensive upside. We just saw it on Tuesday night. It all comes down to, though, how does Mike Sullivan feel about those younger players compared to some of those vets that Kyle Dubas brought in? Vinny Henestroza, Andreas Janssen, Matt Nieto, Lars Eller, all those guys. I mean, we know Eller is going to be in the lineup full-time, Nieto probably too, but the other players I named before, that's who I think these guys are mainly competing with. And it's again, it's going to come down to maybe Sullivan going out of his comfort zone a little bit because he usually does trust a lot of the vets. I mean, and heck, Pat, a lot of these coaches do that. They love their veteran players. They don't take as many risks with younger players. But I do hope Sullivan, I guess, changes in that regard because there are players in the Penguin system right now who are probably ready for the NHL. And it sucks that maybe a couple of them won't make the roster at least in a couple of weeks, but they've at least shown to everyone here that they're more than ready. Agreed. And lastly, but not leastly, we do have to bring up a guy whose name I've been getting incorrect apparently all off season. And that's Alec Nadelkovich. I've been not putting an H at the end of it and just shame on you. <laughs> Uh, I thought he was great last night. He was the entire reason that they got out of that first period tied and not down 4-5-1. But like we said on the show, that was a lot of Detroit's regulars playing last night, whereas it was the Penguins' B or C squad. So you kind of expected at some point that Detroit would kind of take over the game a little bit and get some consistent, sustained pressure. And they did right out of the gate. And if it wasn't for Nadelkovich that game would have gotten out of hand real quick. He was fantastic. I mean, at one point, the Penguins were being outshot 15-4, 16-4. They were getting pretty outplayed by the Red Wings regulars, and he was standing on his head in the crease, the one big save that I'll point out here. Puck goes off the end boards. Delkovich is in perfect positioning, snags it with the glove when it came back to a Red Wings player. Really nice save there. If he can play at that level during the regular season, I think he can be a pretty consistent backup for Tristan Jari. A couple of the goals last night, I know he'll maybe want back the one where, I believe it was the Nate Danielson one, goes off his blocker and, and he got a piece of it. Not enough. That's one you would want back during a regular season game, but he's still working out the kinks. It's preseason. I was pretty happy with how he performed in that game. Just to end this segment here, we do have a little bit of breaking news as the Penguins have just tweeted that Braden Yeager has been assigned to the Moose Jaw Warriors of the Western Hockey League. So he is going back down to his junior team. Pat, I think we all saw that coming after what happened on Tuesday night was fine. He just didn't stand out the way he did in the first couple preseason games mainly. Yeah. And that's what I said about him yesterday was the challenge for him was put to put together more than one consistent, really good game. Right. And he wasn't bad last night, but he just, it looked like, okay, this guy is, an 18, 19-year-old junior prospect who has a lot of upside. So 
this was time. He got some looks with the big boys during the scrimmages and in the practices, and then looked pretty good in, in the first split squad game against Columbus. So I think we've got a prospect here who has a lot of upside and could be NHL ready sooner rather than later, but he, I thought he stood out well. He made a good first impression and here's the hope and he develops well enough in juniors. And if his team doesn't go very far, maybe we see him again near the end of the year to get some reps in Wilkes or even with the big club. Right. I agree with that. And here's hoping that he has a great junior season, makes the world Canada, the world junior Canada team, excuse me, and lights it up there as well. But really excited about him. He showed a lot of flashes during this training camp, but I think that will do it for this first. I mean, I will say as well, Ty Smith didn't really impress me that much last night. I think at this point, Pat P.O. Joseph has that job locked up. Smith was fine. Didn't, didn't do anything to really blow me away or anything like that, but that'll do it for this first segment. Coming up in the second segment, how about those line combinations from practice on Wednesday? The quote-unquote A-team had their practice, and it looked pretty awesome, to say the least, seeing some of the line combinations that were out there. But before we jump into that, are you missing the syrup for your pancakes, or did you just run out of your favorite coffee creamer? With DoorDash Grocery Delivery, you can get what you want right when you need it. You've trusted DoorDash to deliver your restaurant favorites, and now you can get grocery delivery that actually delivers as well. You will get exactly what you ordered, or they will make it right. So sit back and enjoy quality groceries just like you picked them yourself. With easy substitutions right in the app and best in-case customer support, DoorDash delivers groceries exactly how you want it. You can get 50% off your first DoorDash order up to $20 value when you use code LOCKED at checkout. It's a limited time offer and terms apply. Remember, that's 50% off up to $20, no minimum subtotal, and zero delivery fees on your first order from DoorDash when you download the app and enter code LOCKED. Don't forget, that's code LOCKED for 50% off your first order with DoorDash. All right, we're back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am Hunter Hodes, joined as always by my co-host, Patrick Dam. So, as usual, Mike Sullivan, Pat and I are going to read into the line combinations today. And they're pretty awesome, to say the least. I was pretty excited when I saw them. Seeing Raquel on his off wing with Sidney Crosby and Brian Rust, that should not be a surprise, considering what Mike Sullivan just said to the media. He actually likes his wingers playing on their offside. And I think you maybe could see that with someone like a Riley Smith later this year, where maybe he plays on the right side next to Evgeny Malkin. And sure enough, he was there during practice today. Alex Nylander was actually on Malkin's left wing, even though he's a righty. And for all you Nylander fans out there, if he wants to make the team, well, he's getting a shot at it playing on Evgeny Malkin's left wing right now. Top six looks pretty cool, but I think Someone like Nylander might be, I guess, a quote-unquote placeholder for Jake Gensel, at least for now, because Jake Gensel's not healthy enough yet. The third line has some intrigue, which Roe Connor, Matt Nieto, and Lars Eller, but I don't know if Eller can be the long-term answer at 3C, but I love that O'Connor is the left winger there. And then Hinnestroza with Ochari and Carter. As we've been saying, Jeff Carter is going to make this team no matter what. And then on defense, seeing that top four, Ryan Graves with Crystal Tang, Eric Carlson with Marcus Pedersen, and P.O. Joseph with Chad Riedel. That looks like the top two favorites for the bottom pairing. What were your overall reactions when you saw the lines today? You're a, you're a Marvel fan, right? You're yes, a I am. Guy. 
So you know that Dave Bautista played Drax in Guardians of the Galaxy, right? The wrestler? Yes, of course. I felt like him in WWE Monday Night Raw when I saw Raquel on Crosby's wing just going, give me what I want! Give me what I want! <laughs> because I have been calling for that for so long. And man, seeing that go out today, I was so pumped because those two can play together really well. And... Well, like, here's the thing. Also looking at these lines, right? Yes, the Nylander fan club is going to be excited about this, and they should be because he has been a force so far throughout this camp. So he has absolutely earned a look in the top six. So let's see what he does with it. On the other end of it, I look at this defense, and I think we now know what our opening night defensive core is going to be. We know the top four, Graves, Letang, Pedersen, Carlson, and then it was who's going to come play with poor P.O. And right now it looks like it's going to be Chad Ruedel, especially after we talked about the injury yesterday to Pissick. But it does sound like a guy who they want to keep around. So we'll see what happens there. Who be Mark Freeman? Haven't fully decided yet, but he'll get yeah. some time in the preseason. And I, I, we talked about this off mic. I don't know who Ryan Che is. I, I just don't like. You're going to have to forgive me on that one, listeners. I saw that name, and again, it was another Marvel reference. I just went, who? <laughs> so, uh, but but I'm excited for this game, man, because I have no doubts that a Buffalo team that has greatly improved over the past couple of years and is right there on the cusp of playoff contention is probably going to play a lot of their regulars tomorrow, too. So this could be a really good preseason hockey game we have ahead of us. Agreed. And it would also just be great to see the regulars in the lineup for the first time in quite a while. And, of course, seeing Eric Carlson and Chris Letang on the ice ever so often. And speaking of that, we saw the power play lineup today. I'm going to give myself a pat on the back because I called it Chris Letang being in the Phil Kessel spot. I got something right, people. Breaking news. I know. It's rare when that happens. But he was in the Kessel spot. Carlson was running it from the point. Sid at his normal spot. Gino in the right half wall. And then Raquel was in the bumper spot. Or I guess the quote-unquote TJ Oshie spot in Washington, which is where because he scored all of his goals against the Penguins there. But that is a mint power play setup. It's a mint unit, if you want to say that too. And we need to get a glimpse of this on Thursday because I think fans are going to lose their absolute minds. Here's the best thing about this power play is that it is going to find a way once it clicks to beat you in a variety of ways, because the amount of skill on that unit is probably unmatched. You're probably not going to find a better skilled top power play, but having Latang and Malkin, on the wings, if the tic-tac-toe mismatches aren't working, it's just going to be bombs away. Set up Malkin for a one-timer. Set up Latang for a one-timer. Okay, that didn't work. Let's do it again. And just whatever poor goaltender sitting in net that night is going to be under siege. And then once Jake Gensel comes back, low-key, one of the best parts of Jake Gensel's game is that he can clean up the front of the net in the offensive right. zone. So after one of Carlson, Malkin, or Latang blast one on net, oh, look, there's Jake Gensel, a casual 40-goal scorer, just sitting right in your kitchen. So, And that doesn't even get into talking about how Sidney Crosby is on this unit, too. Like, right. 
How? How are we this spoiled? And he's in his office behind the net, and he's going to be making things happen from there, as he always does. I can't wait to see the plays that he makes with the puck on his stick just because of the vision that he has on the ice is absolutely absurd. I love what Crystal Tang said, by the way, today when I saw a couple tweets on social media saying like, yeah, I played the point for quite a long time. It's a little bit of a change. Okay. He's not going to care that much. He'll get used to it. He has a great ability to see the ice from anywhere on it. Even in the Kessel spot, he is deadly both passing wise and shooting wise from there. And saying it all along, you put him there. That's the biggest thing the Penguins have been lacking on this power play since Phil left. They have not found a true replacement for him. And while Latang's release is nothing like Kessel's, trust me, I know that it's Phil has a one in a million release and you can't replace it. No. Latang's is still very good and his playmaking ability from there, I would argue, is better than Kessel's. And I think that's why you're going to see this unit light up a lot of teams this year. Yeah, it's sorry, Sully. I'm overreacting to this one, man. Like I, I at this point, this is also something that could actually like it when you know old school hockey fans love to talk about deterrence. This might be a deterrent in general, just for teams to play more conservative against the Penguins, because do you really want to, that power play to trot out against you? I sure wouldn't. So this might be a, a case where they just have that nuclear bomb sitting in the sitting in the bench and just going, go ahead, take a penalty. We'll we'll drop this thing. Teams are gonna have to be super careful about taking penalties against this team this year. And again, just hope the zone entries are also cleaned up. Please well. God. First time I see that stupid drop pass going up the ice on the power play, I'm going to throw something out my window probably but <laughs> had to throw that out there too but that would do it i think for this second segment coming up to end the show pat and i are going to go over the lineup that was announced for the preseason game on thursday and go into a little bit of what we're looking for before we preview the game on thursday we'll be going a little earlier on thursday of the episode up before the usual time but stick around for that coming up right after this all right, we're back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am Hunter Hodes. That is Patrick Am. So we kind of hinted at it during the second segment. All of the big guns are basically going to be playing in this game. But you'll also have other players like Drew O'Connor. Can he cement himself with this game? Alex Nylander, we assume he's going to be playing on Evgeny Malkin's left wing. How does he do in a top six role? Can he take advantage of this situation? Brian Rust, Riley Smith will make his debut. Lars Eller will play. Austin Wagner, who I thought had a pretty good game a couple nights ago as well, he will be getting a look here. Could he cement himself as a player to get one of those open bottom six spots to start the season? I'm going to have my eye on him outside of some of the big guns. Noah Charlie redeems the Horna. We already discussed him a lot. Raquel, Malkin, Carter, Nieto, Crosby. Then, of course, Riedel, Ryan Shea, Ryan Graves, Marcus Pedersen, Mark Friedman. The other regulars, Latang, Carlson, Joseph, and then we assume that Tristan Jari will be getting most, if not all, of the game. Outside of the big guns, and maybe someone like Redeems or Horner, who we already discussed, who are you looking forward to really keeping your eye on for this one? Just like yesterday, I'm keeping my eye on P.O. Joseph again because I want him to play definitively tomorrow night. He, By the looks of this lineup, he's going to be on the third pairing, obviously. But I want to see how he adapts or adjusts because 
if I'm him, don't do anything different. You're going to get less ice time. You're going to get less opportunity. But rather than feeling like, okay, I'm on the third pair. I have to fit myself into this box. I have to play a certain way. Don't do that. Because you know the kind of coach Mike Sullivan is. He said it when he first got hired. He doesn't want to take the stick out of his best player's hands. And while P.O. Joseph is not one of the best players on the, on the roster, play to your strengths. Skate well. Do very productive things in the offensive zone. Make a good first pass and use your speed. And just because you're on the third pairing doesn't mean you suddenly have to become Brooks or pick. You don't have to suddenly become a big time hitter, stay at home defenseman who doesn't rock the boat a lot. Be a force out there because we talked about that yesterday. If there suddenly is a bunch of talent on this blue line outside of just the top four, that's another threat for this team moving forward. So that can really help raise his stock tomorrow night. If he just goes out and plays the way he has the first two games on the third pairing. And he's got to just keep up that chemistry with Chad Riedel. It was building quite a bit last season. I want to see how it carries over to this season. And also during practice day, he was getting reps as the quarterback of the second power play unit. He hasn't really done it. I feel like that often in his career. Usually last year, it was Jeff Petrie that was doing that. But if you want Carlson and Latang on the same power play and Mike Sullivan, it looks like he does right now, which is good. You need to have someone else that is good with the puck on his stick. And that someone is P.O. Joseph. He can be more active in the offensive zone. He can create some chances on the main advantage. You will have plenty of talent on that second unit, especially when Jake Gensel comes back. Because if Gensel comes back and replaces Raquel, right? Raquel goes to that second unit. You'll have him, Riley Smith, obviously P.O. You want to throw out someone like a Drew Connor if you want. Brian Rust, of course. That's a really good second unit. And P.O. will continue to play with strong players, which will only make him better, I think. I, I think there's a unique ability for him here to become a pretty, I guess, underappreciated power play quarterback. It's not going to be along the likes of Latang or Carlson or anything like that. But it's a new thing added to his game, and I'm intrigued to see it. Yeah, and then the last thing I want to see tomorrow more than anything is I want – and before I say it, I want to caution the listeners and, and fans here. This isn't this stuff isn't going to happen overnight. It's going to happen quickly, but it's not going to happen overnight. I want to see the new guys. Riley Smith, Eric Carlson, Ryan Graves. I want to see – like Josh was telling us, it looks like there's a pretty good chemistry and connection – coming with Riley Smith and Evgeny Malkin. I want to see what kind of fruit that bears. I want to see how Ryan Graves and Chris Letang work together. I want to see how Marcus Pedersen and Eric Carlson work together. So I want to see how these guys fit in because they're not being part of a newly built lineup. They're getting ins inserted into parts of the lineup that have been there for years. So I want to see how these guys mesh and how they play. You took the words right out of my mouth there, to be honest. I can't wait to see Pedersen with Carlson. Graves with Latang was pretty obvious, I think, from right when training camp opened that they were going to try Graves with Latang, and it makes sense considering all the money they just gave him. Outside of that, though, I mean, this is easy, though. Tristan Jari, let's see what he looks like. And I know it's preseason. It doesn't really mean that much. But I want to see what he looks like fully healthy now even though it's just preseason. He's probably going to get the whole game. 
Let's see what he can do. And if the Sabres do play their full lineup and we'll have those details for Thursday's episode, this can be a good test for him considering the talent that the Sabres have, especially up front, you know, Dylan Cousins, Jeff Skinner, Tage Thompson, even on the back end, Rasmus Dahlin, who came into his own last year, Owen Power. If all five of those guys play, it could be a really good test for him. And I'm excited to see how he does, if he does get the entire game on Thursday. Outside of that, there's not really much that I have my eye on too much. I guess if you want to add something else, Lars Eller at 3C, I want to see how he handles those minutes for the first time. And I want to see if I can maybe eat some pro off that, because again, I'm not really fully sold on it for the long term for this season. But hey, maybe he proves me wrong and he plays really well starting the preseason and then continues it during the regular season. But I think that will do it for this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. Pat and I will be back for the for another episode on Thursday where we will fully preview the game against the Sabres, get into their lineup, other things that we'll be looking for, and all that good stuff. And just as a reminder, we will be posting it a bit early, so it won't be on your drive home tomorrow. Probably be around, what, 2, 3, 3.30, somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah, something like that. A little before the game compared to Tuesday where we posted it about two or three hours before. But again... That'll do it for this one. Thank you all so much for tuning in. We'll be back with another episode for you all on Thursday.